1995, the album comes out. The reviews are incredible. I remember our press department calling me hour after hour, we got another one, we got another one. We never thought, well, are we gonna sell 10,000? We're gonna sell 500,000, 2 million. We were so proud that he got to make his own record. And, 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 and the credible people I cared about, the real writers, the real, today we call them bloggers, they all thought it was great. When I premiered AZ's uh, album, Do or Die, on the radio and stuff, the fans took to it immediately. You know, as much as they did Illmatic. There were lots of good records coming out at that, at, at that time in Arizona. I made sure that this one was specially heard. You know, told people, hey, look, man, trust me, this guy is, is it. And they went with it. When I heard Do or Die, it, it was it was gutter, you know, which is what we like. Especially more money, more murder, more homicide. Like that, that's the the stuff that you that you that DJs like me, you know, dig for. For him to have records like you know, Gimme Yours, you know, even records like Oh Happy Jackie, Sugar Hill. Um, more money, more murder. It's like, it told the stories of what was going on in New York, like what we go through. And it's like, it's just painted through, you know, through lyrics. So it's like, if you wasn't from New York, it's like a lot of cats that I know from around the world, they look at AZ like, yo, he's one of the coldest rappers ever. You know, in hip hop, you can make a hit and it bang, but it gets to a point where you need a joint that goes beyond just that bang, you know, that 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 when a person hear it, it's like, I remember when I was doing this at school, or I remember when I was walking down the street and this joint came on the radio, and that Do or Die album, I knew it was gonna be classic because everybody was like fiending for an easy album. Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy J.O. here in a place to be. As we chop Good. it up here, as we chop it up here over the classics and break down yet another one here for us today. Heading into fall now, y'all, so you know what time it is, you know what time of the year it is. Look outside and temperature's starting to drop, the leaves are starting to change colors. Football's back and we're about to wrap up another year, man. It's been a crazy year here at the vault, a lot of different things that we run through and of course, a lot of classics that we've run through as well, potential ones too. And we have yet another one here in front of us today. So, Jay, of course, man, props to you always coming here to join me. And we're going to go back to 95 again today. And that's what we always do, taking you back to 95, 25 years ago. Shout out to all the listeners out there worldwide and, of course, stateside listening to us. We appreciate all the love and support you guys have given us. Our numbers have been phenomenal, even on our new host, Red Circle. So thank you all for keeping the pushing the love out there. The word is definitely still spreading. We got lots of things in store for you coming up this year for the rest of this year on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. As we always like to say here in the Vault Classic Music Reviews, we say hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And of course, we have yet another classic to review for you today going all the way back, as I said before, back to 1995 to October 10th, 1995 and the debut studio album by AZ, Do or Die. 
on EMI Records. This was a highly anticipated debut release based on AZ's work that we heard from him famously on Illmatic on Life's a Bitch with Nas. A verse that as we found out and as you heard inside of the intro before this podcast started that actually launched AZ's career and pretty much made him the most sought after free agent in the rap game after that one verse from Life's a Bitch. And this was an album that everybody was looking out for and was highly anticipated because everyone knew the kind of skills that AZ had. And by the time this album rolled around, folks were kind of very hungrily anticipating to see exactly what it is that he could do with the whole album with him by himself. So we signed with EMI Records. And now the particulars here of AZ's Do or Die, released October 10th, 1995, 25 years ago. Recorded between 1994 and 95, and in that clip that you heard, which was the BET special on AZ's Do or Die, AZ said right after Life's a Bitch, he stepped into the studio and started to work on his debut album. Runtime of 45 minutes and 31 seconds. The label was at that time EMI. That was the same label that D'Angelo released his debut album, Brown Sugar, as well. EMI Records Limited was a British recording label, that is now owned by Universal Music Group, but it was founded in 1972 and has gone through a number of different transitions since then. So he's run through a little bit of a problems AZ has of having to go through a couple of labels that have shut down. His label situation has not been the most stable in his career, which is the reason why now, ever since around 2004, 2005, he's been a all independent artist and has released everything underneath his own label, Quiet Money. But Doa Dajay, here we are. 25 years later, probably if you want to talk about debut albums from rappers in the 90s, this is probably, I would say, within your top three to five of the debut albums. You think about, you know, as far as like folks who were looking for folks' debut albums, everybody was definitely looking out for Snoop's debut album with Doggy Style. This was definitely another one. Biggie's was another one. <laughs> probably another one in that category was probably Cannabis's as well. And <laughs> and that was really the only real big disappointment I think you talk about in that category. But um, yeah. this this was really a big deal because of what AZ did on with one sixteen. That was it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> one sixteen, literally, and watching that special from BET had folks everywhere being like, "Yo, who the hell is this kid? And who's who is he signed to? Oh, he's not signed. Track, he's not signed yeah, to anyone." Track number two on the Elmiomatic. Um, him to come out there as hard as he did it was like yeah like, wow <laughs> yeah exactly and to spit that crazy verse and for it to lead to one verse to lead to a record deal which eventually got him a project but Doa died though and the interesting thing about it is like if you look at the producers that are on this album there's a number of different producers really I mean everybody knows of course Pete Rock and his contributions on this album but you also have contributions from L.E.S. From DR period, who was one of the producers that helped to produce for uh, for MOP, Buck Wild as well, Lunatic Mind, Loose, Amar Pep, and then also you had production by Ski, who co-produced the Your World Don't Stop with Spunk Biggs. One of the interesting producer contributions on here is none other than No Joe. <laughs> He's like, if you would think about you know rappers in that particular time and a rapper like AZ. You wouldn't necessarily put him and N.O. Joe together. And N.O. Joe famously produces for a lot of artists, particularly Scarface, Ghetto Boys, UGK, um, a lot of Houston-based rappers and New Orleans and Louisiana-based rappers. Um, 
really a veteran and a great producer, but it was interesting to see a guy like that pretty much come together and do a track with AZ. So a lot of interesting things. And then what the label sort of mentioned in that documentary is that AZ had a lot of creative control over this and they sort of let him, you know, take it. All right. You want producers? We'll go find the producers that you want. You want to do that? Fine. You know what? We're going to let you go ahead and run the show, which is crazy because, you know, especially for a debut artist to have their first album put out there. Sometimes what I find is that the labels sometimes control, you know, the effort a little bit too much because they want to make sure that it's perfect to their liking. They want to make sure that it sells. Right. <laughs> so, especially at that time. Yeah, exactly. Especially at that time, because label budgets were crazy. Like they were spending big money. So if you spent big money, you wanted big money back. These are the producers that were on here. But just just to sort of get your reaction on this. And I've been reading a lot of different articles about this on the 25th anniversary and to listen to see the varying of different opinions about this album. But I'll just get your perspective about what it was like when you first heard this album and um, what your impression was it back then. And then listening to it this past week, what you what what you continue to think about it now that you've heard it 25 years later. Yeah. So, you know, 1995, again, takes me back to junior high school. So like at that point, you know, like we had all heard the single Sugar Hill playing on the radio with like Miss Jones singing the hook. So it was a pretty smooth journey. But like it was like, I guess, like a, a new combination at the time, like being smooth yet street. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm mm-hmm. Uh, for what everything AZ was bringing to it. And then, like, you know, hearing the album, you know, it's, it, it incorporated the whole mafioso thing that they was on back then, especially along with The Firm, you know, mm-hmm. which I would say sounds kind of dated now, but, like, dope back then. Yeah. Um. So I guess, like, you know, it really just took me into, the, like, the whole theme they were keeping us. So I was like, okay, like, I know what to expect as far as that, as far as, like, that theme, you know, just, like, that mafioso tip and, like, you know, mafia talk and street and everything like that. So listen to it now, 25 years later, I mean, that part of it sounds dated, but... Even within that, when you take that element out of it, you know, those a lot of those tracks still stand out. You know what I mean? Like that really stood the test of time in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really feel like this is like kind of one of those forgotten gems of the nineties. I mean yeah. anybody anybody that's in hip hop, we know who A Z is. We know what A Z is wasn't is capable of, but like it doesn't really get into that conversation, at least from what I've seen as far as like, you know, like I was saying like before, like, you know, with like anticipated albums, like a Illmatic or Ready to Die or 36 Chambers of Doggy Style yeah. or, you know, any one of those. So like, yeah, like this is one of the ones I, I just feel like it, it's, it's slept on. Yeah, it. I think it is slept on. I think people sort of forget about it. As a matter of fact, when we talk about not just the albums in the 90s. Talk about the albums that were released in 95. I mean, look at the albums that we've, we've reviewed so far that have come out in 1995. We mm-hmm. just had, not too long ago, Cool G Rap 456. We've had Raekwon, Only Built for Cuban Links, a.k.a. The Purple Tape. You know, we've also we've also had um, Mob Deep's The Infamous. We've also had, uh, coming up later on this year, we have Jizza, Liquid Swords, about to, you know, <laughs> later on mm-hmm. th- this year. So when you're surrounded by a lot of that, I feel like, it sort of does get lost in the shuffle. Like everybody knows, like you said, we know what AZ does, but I feel like his features on a lot of different other tracks sort of get more recognition than the actual tracks from some of his own projects have, have garnered. And I think it is slept on. I think it's like one of those forgotten gems of the nineties. Like when you start going and looking over album list and you're like, yo, you know, I remember listening to this joint, like this joint was dope. You know what I'm saying? It was cool. It was pretty solid. My reaction to it does take me back, like you said, junior high school. My boy put me on to AZ uh, by way of putting me on to Illmatic. And then when this came out, the first thing that you remember listening to, of course, was the single Sugar Hill. And 
is just the feel of the song, like you said, was really smooth, expertly produced by LES. And then, of course, with Miss Jones being in the background and the fact that they were able to take her voice, sample it and use it and incorporate it as a part of the song throughout the verse, you know, and uh, then you start to get into some of the other tracks, like being able to hear stuff like, you know, like more money, more murder, more homicide. Give me yours. And then also do or die. It's like you really start to see some of these elements and stuff coming together. Lyrics just absolutely incredible. But to me, what I think I was a little upset about is the fact that it was a little too short for me, you know, um, again. And, and then I think also as well to me, you know, while I like to produce the production, I think it was more so to me. It was just literally a soundtrack to his lyrics. Like I wasn't really paying attention much to the production back then. I wanted to hear AZ spit. That's what I wanted right. to hear, you know, and being an aspiring rapper and wanting to be involved in music myself. That's what captivated me more than anything else. Now, 25 years later, listening to it, I took the whole thing in everything from transitions to the beats to looking up the samples that they may have been used to everything. And nothing has really changed with me much more so from the lyrics, I may be caught more things from the lyrics this time around more than anything else. But I think what really drove home the point for me was really looking at the production. And while I do think, like you said, uh, big mafioso theme themes, you know, following a the theme that we saw with Cool G Rap, not only in the four, five, six projects before, you know, same thing with Inside of Raekwon's built for only only built for Cuban links. But mm-hmm. but to me, I was a little, you know, when. You know, going into it, and we'll get into it a little bit. The beats to me, I think here, some were great, but then I think others were not, not as good or as good as I remember them. And I think I missed that coming up because I was just mm. so in tune to the lyrics and listening to hear him spit. That was it, right? You know. But to me, I think that some of the beats left a little bit to be de- to be desired, and I think that's I the, and I think that's the one thing, the reason why I think this this album gets overlooked a little bit because. I think that production-wise, had it been on the level of Illmatic, that we might be talking an Illmatic type 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 of album, you know. To and not to be, you know, to use this as hyperbole, but I really do think it had that type of potential because I think a lot of folks in that era were looking at this as almost like a B-side to Illmatic, like the continuation of Illmatic, because stylistically, you sort of had Nas and AZ who were so similar in regards to how they spit and the things that they spit about. So. That was pretty much it for me. That's how I looked at it. And, um, you know, funny thing about that <laughs> Sugar Hill with Mrs. Jones and that documentary, she said that in that documentary that she actually auditioned for the track and sung. And, you know, she wasn't actually supposed to be the original girl who sung on Sugar Hill. You know who the original girl was supposed to sing on Sugar Hill was? Monifa. <laughs> you said Monifa? Monifa, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when they actually picked her, she talked to them, so like, hey, this guy's going to be putting out an album. You know, we're going to have you come record. We liked your audition. So she said that the car came to her house three straight nights. She didn't get in the car to take her to the studio. The fourth night that the car came to the studio, she finally said, what do you have to lose? Got in. And then she said she got in. She went to the studio, and it was the biggest hits of either one of their careers. Like, <laughs> like, like it's crazy. And then isn't it also crazy that how Monifa was supposed to sing the hook? And then eventually what happened is that Monifa and AZ made a hit year, a year later with the I Miss You remix with her and AZ. You know what I'm saying? So it's like crazy how things come full circle sometimes. So now we're just going to get into the highlights and lowlights, just kind of the things that you like, Jay, and what you what you didn't like, especially now after reviewing it. 
uh, this past week listening to it. So what are some of your highlights and, you know, the things that you like and maybe even some lowlights after listening to it, some things that now you're listening to and you're like, mm, I don't really know. So highlights and lowlights, what do you have? Yeah, for sure. So like, of course, Sugar Hill and then like the actual title track of the album, Do or Die, like, you know, it just like takes me back to when I first saw that video, you know, like how it had that mafioso like type theme to it. And it was just, it was just like really vivid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you recall the video for mm, it, but I um, do. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Had, had all those cameos um, mm-hmm. in it, like Fat Joe and like, mm-hmm. could have also LL in the gym. I might be mistaken. It's been a while since I watched it, but um, yeah, it's so, like, I mean, just like that and all the lyrics to it and I already said Sugar Hill, but then on top of that, like, you know, this, like the joint, um, Give me yours, uncut yeah. raw, happy ho Jackie, like <laughs> oh happy Jackie, yeah, oh happy Jackie, uh, more, more money, more murder, more homicide, like yeah, like those drinks, like with my highlights, mm-hmm. even rather than unique. I mean, like you know, lyrics. I mean, that's a perfect match right there. A Z Pete Rock, so like mm-hmm. you know, it's rocking with that. Low lights. I gotta say, I could have done without. I feel for you. Mm. That drink, <laughs> like I just, I feel yeah. like I just, they, they, cause just left that on the cutting room floor. So yeah, but but aside from that, I mean. And I'm going back to your point about like, you know, because I'm sure like other people would say, like, you know, their, their whole thing was like the album's too short. But I kind of figured that like he maybe took that like from the book of Nas because, you know, yeah. like Elbanic, I think it was on like what, 10 songs? Yeah, exactly. 10 tracks. And maybe yeah. he was like, maybe he was operating off of that, that aspect, of, like, you know, leave the people one more. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, maybe like uh, in essence could have been a continuation of Elbanic, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as like just like that short track list. Yeah, I mean, other than that, like, I mean, that's pretty much, I can't think of any other, I can't think of any other lowlights, I mean, but plenty mm-hmm. of highlights for this one that's, to make it a solid release. Yeah, no, nah, definitely it does. And say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I, For my highlights, I love, love Ho Happy Jackie. Because I think the message he states with that, with the type of woman that I think every guy knows that they've run into, you know? And, and in fact, with the voices in the background, with Nas being there to be like his accomplice, his homeboy there on the side with the girls and the women in the final conversation where he's like, yo, my man Carl said, I like, yo, get the fuck out of here, man. What you think fuck wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and then for him to close every, to close that whole thing out, that track produced by Buck Wild. But I love Rather Unique. I think back in the day when I used to listen to this, I had the tape for Doe and Die. I used to rewind and listen to the verses on Rather Unique so many times. And I was just mesmerized by those verses and also that beat by Pete Rock. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, Sugar Hill speaks. I mean, Sugar Hill is a track, man, that's endured for 25 years. That, yo, you in a place among a certain crowd of people of a certain age, when this track gets played, you're going to get a certain reaction from people, you know? And, like, during that same documentary, it showed him on the stage of the Apollo. And, like he said, his album had it been out. But when this song started playing, the crowd, the Apollo went crazy, (laughs) you know? So you're going to get a certain reaction from it. You get that same feeling from that. Great production on that from L.E.S. L.E.S., of course, who also produced Life's a Bitch. So we have the symmetry here again with here with that with Illmatic as well. Yep. Mo Money, Mo Murder. Man. So we talk about AZ and Nas collaborations. (laughs) This might be in my top three of AZ and Nas collaborations of all time. Like, 
So it's this joint, it's Life's a Bitch, and it's the flyest for me from Nas and Stillmatic. Those are to me my the top three out of all the stuff that they've done. And that sample that was used was OJ sample done by DR period. Like, <laughs> and even DR period himself said that, you know, he's so used to working with MOP and working on like, you know, stuff being hardcore, gritty, like hot mm-hmm. energy that he had to make something that fits something for both Nas and AZ. And he did it. He knocked it out of the park. Doe would die. I mentioned the whole thing about N.O. Joe, right? Like you wouldn't think you put yeah. a rapper like N.O. Joe and A.Z. together. But if you're going to put a track together with N.O. Joe, Joe and A.Z., this is the track that you do. That beat, I mean, sounded like something, yeah, it had A.Z. on it, but you could definitely like think of hearing Scarface on that, maybe even Bumby or Pimp C on that. You know, yeah, it's definitely. like it had that just real like, you know, Houston rap a lot like vibes on it. And to be able to hear AZ spitting what he spit on that, though, just brought another element to the track. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And looking back on like, yeah, because like because I didn't know I didn't know N.O. Joe produced this. I'm like, yeah, it did sound it kind of like those that synthesize it mm-hmm. kind of I call it a gumbo sound. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> from something down south. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. But now that we reviewing it now, it makes sense. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, it, it's, it, it makes it that much more impressive. Yeah, yeah, it it does, man. It's like I said, you wouldn't put those two together, man. But it's just like it's sort of like even like in that very unlikely pairing. It's sort of like you know putting Devin the Dude and Primo together, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't think something like that would work, but that worked too. <laughs> so, so and so that's that's probably like Primo tapping like his down south. Yeah, you know that them, the, them Houston vibes exactly. You yeah, know what I'm like, saying? He's from Texas. He's from Texas exactly. Yeah. So I love the Sugar Hill remix by Les. Just shorter to me shows his depth as a producer to be able to take the same track, produce a new beat and then use a part of the end of the song to make, to redo the hook of sugar Hill. This is like back in the days when you used to do remixes and remixes used to actually be songs with entirely different beats, you know, producers remix. And that's, that's how you remix songs back in the day. Nowadays you get remixes to be the song with the same beat, but just different rappers on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, those are my highlights is pretty much most of the album. But to me, the low lights, like you said, I really, th- I could have done without, I feel for you. Mm-hmm. And I definitely could have done with done without. <sighs> we can't win. So those two tracks were produced by Amar Pep, right? Mm-hmm. And we can't win. I thought has some good verses. As a matter of fact, Amar Pep is the one that's on the intro and the outro and has the first verse. Like to me, you know, it, the verses were good, but I wasn't that blown away by the beats on I Feel For You or We Can't Win. And then Your World Don't Stop. I think I could have done without that, too. You know what I'm saying? Like You could have taken three tracks out of this, and I think it would have been a perfect album to me. But but the three tracks are on here, so we can't take them away. Right. <laughs> so, But that's those are my lowlights. Like, I think even Amar Pep, and he actually produced the beats on, those, on I Feel For You and We Can't Win. If they'd have actually done away with those, then I think we would have had a much more solid project. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, but you know, overall though, really great the highlights on here. Really good. Um, being able to get some verses in collaboration with Nas, give me yours. I didn't mention that before, but give me yours. is definitely another one too. Great verses on there, a track produced by Pete rock, man. So, but those are my highlights and my lowlights. Like I said, man, take a few tracks on here, and I think it's it's <laughs> it's almost up to the point where it's at Illmatic level at that point. I mean, not quite to that level, but I think it's in the conversation, and that's me. So now we're going to get into notable quotables, and, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what you picked because I know what I picked, and this is probably, like I mentioned it earlier, what I kept rewinding over and over, so I should give you an idea what I'll 
with our pick, but just maybe not diverse, but coming up. But do you have a notable quotable, Jay? Uh, yeah, it got one up for, um, matter of fact, like the first couple bars of Uncut Raw, he was like, life is a struggle. That's why I know niggas stay on the juggle. Some hustle to double, others hug you to mug you. Poverty stricken, they even turn a church kid into sticking. It seems sickening, but what? Whatever make the pockets thicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that Uncut Raw, man, is the perfect way to be able to open up that album. And, and uh, those bars... Those bars stick in my mind based on right. him starting off that album because that's really the first taste that you get. You know what I'm saying? Nah. Yeah. Some <laughs> that is um those are some interesting bars right there, man, on Uncut Raw. And and <laughs> you know, the fact that the line that you said is, you know, some hustle to double and others hug you to mug you. That's <clears throat> <laughs> if that ain't the daggone truth, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. So mm, craziness, craziness. So my notable quotable comes from Rather Unique. It comes from the second verse on Rather Unique. And it's my verbals rip shit. Brains give birth to thoughts and triplet. Fuck it, I'm on some flip shit. Ready to let my clips spit dramatical. Vocals release shells like automatics. Do your music magical, causing any batter to be tragical, child. I got style, sick as hell. Sicker than sickle cell anemia. Slaughter your circulatory like the chemia. Filled with larceny. Who want parts of me? I'm vicious, mad, malicious. Cause it's real on this road to riches. I got this masters. Other rappers are crafted. We can wick the camouflages and kill us. How they speak to kick it. Peep this uniqueness. Non-believers, I'm leaving speechless. Left to the choke with his son smoke was coming through the speakers. Scourgeth me nice with any verbal device. Trife breathing life in the mic's mind sights beyond the twilight. So die flight. No surrender, no retreat. Technique speaks. I'm rather unique. I mean, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> the wordplay in that second verse is ridiculous. That's the verse Sick. I kept on rewinding. I kept rewinding that second verse over and over and over again. Like this nigga just did this nigga just say. Yo, I got style sick as hell, sicker than sickle cell anemia, slaughter your circulatory like leukemia. <laughs> yo, you want to talk about God level MCing, yo. That's this goodness. I mean, this is this is crazy. And the album is filled with verses like these. You know what I'm saying? So Definitely, I mean Yeah, I mean, like it's a it's a dude that, you know speaks to sort of like his influence um, and then not only to his, his talent, but there aren't many people that you know that get on a track with Nas and get him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got you, bro. Like, you know, I one up to you on this joint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like, they, they probably got like some of the best camaraderie in hip hop. Yeah. Real, for real, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely in that category. I mean, I would even say, I would even say above like a, um, Styles P and J to like a red and meth, like yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. The quality, like to me, I think the biggest thing when I was listening to King's Disease, when I heard you know Full Circle come on, and then heard Nas come out with his uh, his verse, and then right after Nas had A Z's verse when A Z came up, like dialogue superb. I'm like, okay, there we go. Yeah, now let's write again with the world. You know, right. the one thing that I always was like, you know, I wish. I only wish that these guys would have put out the collab album they were talking about so many different times, man. But it's never happened. And I don't know why it hasn't happened. But if you want to talk about like a track that you want to go out and like, yo, let's spend some money on some production here and make sure that we have some beats. Because we know there's going to be some fire bars between AZ and Nas. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But AZ's just one of those dudes. He just gets on a track with Nas. And it's like when he gets on a track with Nas, it's like he purposely raises his level because he knows what he's coming up against, you know, like there are some rappers when they get on tracks with other rappers, they, their level goes to another level. And that's to AZ to me every time he gets on a track with Nas, 
you know, sure. you know, for show. So this is like a forgotten album in 90s and definitely in 95, considering what the albums we've already covered this year. Also, to mention some of the things that are happening, he's actually doing a virtual performance, I believe, next Saturday for Do or Die, where he's going to be performing some of his, his you know, tracks on a virtual concert, you know. Earlier this month, Ewing Athletics actually celebrated the 25th anniversary of AZ's Do or Die with a limited edition collab sneaker. And I looked at the sneaker. It's interesting, <laughs> to say the least. I do have to give Ewing Athletics, because they have collaborated with a lot of different artists to celebrate and commemorate a lot of different anniversaries. And um, I like the, what they did with the shoe. I don't think I would wear them, though, you know, because <laughs> um, yeah, if you take a look at the shoe, it wouldn't be something I would necessarily wear. But it's just crazy like how all this time has sort of passed and you know as we heard on king's disease earlier this year dude like Nas and az are still doing it you know what i'm saying they still right. got their fastball even after all these years you know what i mean so i think in reading a lot of the retrospectives of this album i've been sort of getting a lot of nostalgia of people who think back not just to az but then to that year of 95 and then the space that rap and hip-hop was in at that particular time as well so uh, definitely something great to look back on So now we're going to get to the final test, the test of time to see, you know, what do we think about it after 25 years? Is it a certified classic? Is it a borderline classic? Is it just a classic in its time or not a classic at all? So, Jaya, I'll start with you. What say you, man? What kind of rating do you give it after 25 years? Okay, so, I mean, taking everything into consideration, like, you know, the themes which people may not necessarily vibe with now, because, like I said, I mean, the mafioso was kind of dated and the things could have been left off. I would say... I would say borderline classic. Yeah, I would say borderline classic as well. And I think it's because it's those cl- those tracks that I would probably classify as skips uh, are what kind of turns and turns into a borderline classic for me, too. I think the highs on here are great, but I think that the lows and the skips on here is just stuff that's just like, mm, you know what? I can skip this. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just I can skip this now. I can skip this almost every time I play this album. So so that's where I think it stands. But I think the highs of the album, all the standout tracks are awesome. And I think if you remove those three tracks we talked about, if you do that, man, you got certified classic album. And and I think that we're talking about it in the same conversation that you talk about the classic debut albums. This will definitely be in that conversation, just like Illmatic, just like The Chronic, just like Doggy Style, you know, so but hey there it is but a great project no matter what a lot of good memories some great tracks on here some classic tracks and az still doing it 25 years later man so and he's made a career out of it and definitely has made the move from going with all the label problems being on emi then being on motown then being on virgin and and all these different other labels and eventually deciding to go independent so he has definitely control over where he's at in the music industry and he's continuing to put out at least good product from what we've heard man so don't would die 25 years later, uh, definitely make sure you go check out, read some of these articles. They'll be in our show notes of the retrospectives you've seen from Doe or Die 25 years later. And go uh, listen to it, man. Listen to the album and just, you know, gain a perspective as far as, you know, from a dude back then who was one of the most highly anticipated rappers to come out. And in some respects, he met some of the expectations. And I think he could have definitely exceeded those with a, uh, you know, a few omissions here and there. But a great album nonetheless. And just definitely go check it out, man. And uh, let us know what you think about it. As always, hit us up on our social media. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. 
please make sure you are checking us out on our new host, Red Circle. That's Red Circle Podcasting. You can also, to get to us, check out on all of our social media pages, get to our link tree. With that link tree, you can get to any one of our streaming sources and also any one of our social media sites. You can get us on social media on Instagram, at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter, at Vault Classic. On Facebook and YouTube, you can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast and search there. You can like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you go check us out. We like to post our episodes to our YouTube channel a few days after the episode is dropped on our streaming sources. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media pages, like the social media pages, and follow us, of course, on Facebook and also YouTube. We definitely appreciate all the support that you give us here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend, and make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big, because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate, because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.